One of the most striking things about Christians today is an apparent laziness when it comes to knowing and living in the precepts of God as He has set before us. It's almost as if we're traveling through life half asleep, unaware of the impact we should be having on the world. Listen to today as Pastor Rander addresses this apparent lethargy in this message, it's time for the church to wake up, stand up, and fight for the cause of Christ. He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. Number three, we must refuse to accept the sin of legalizing same-sex marriage. We must refuse to accept the sin of legalizing same-sex marriage. What is a marriage covenant? What is a marriage covenant? A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman, binding them exclusively to each other until death shall separate them. Let me just say that again. Because some of you, don't, you haven't heard the definition so long, or maybe you've never heard it. Let me give it to you again. A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman, binding them exclusively to each other until death shall separate them. Marriage is a sacred vow or promise made in the presence of God to fulfill the marital obligation in obedience to God's plan and his word. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of populating the earth through childbirth. Uh, Children are to be born within the context and institution of marriage, preventing sexual promiscuity, promoting holiness, and for the nurturing of the family and the church. In fact, God himself superintended the first wedding. Hebrews 13, 4a says, marriage is honorable among all. Did you get that? Underline it. Marriage is honorable honorable among all. And uh, ladies, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, marriage is honorable among all. I mean, ladies, don't let that man sleep with you and breathe all in your face and saying, I love you. If he love you, he gets some license. You get license to License for cats, license for dogs, license to hunt, license to fish, and you not even worth license. The reason they don't want you to get licensed, because they don't want commitment. You know what marriage is? It's commitment. It's commitment. Marriage is honorable. Wherever you go, it's your marriage bed. You married whether you in your wife's bed with your wife, a husband, or if you're on a business trip, you still have a marriage bed because you married. And the marriage bed is undefiled. A whole lot of you, you've defiled your marriage bed. Genesis chapter 2 verse 22 also says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Underline this. And he brought her to the man. He didn't bring Adam to Steve. He didn't bring Shirley to Joanne. He brought her to the man. Now, listen, if y'all get mad at me, you, you wrong as you can be. When you get a bill that's not right in the mailbox, you don't beat up the mailman. You, 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 you go to the source. So if you're upset at what I'm saying, call up my boss. His name is Jesus. What are the consequences of same-sex marriage? 
What are the consequences of same-sex marriage? A, it denies a child either a father or mother and does not create a family but an unnatural, sterile union. Two men or two women cannot produce a child. No baby's going to cry. You got to have a man and a woman for a baby to cry. Genesis 1, 27, 28, a says, so God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That's after he married them, after he married them, after he married them. It be, this is secondly, what are the consequences of same-sex marriage? It becomes a cutting edge. It becomes the cutting edge of the sexual revolution where all types of sexual freedoms and perversions will become universally accepted. Legalizing same-sex marriage has opened the door for all types of corruption and decadence, such as polygamy which is a marriage that includes having more than one wife or husband at the same time. We've got some polygamists out there by radio and television, perhaps even in this church house. In some cases, the men are permitted to take young girls as wives with girls' family blessings. That's what happens when you change the definition of marriage. Then, then you know what, it spirals down into insexual to incestuous marriages, incestuous marriages, which is a marriage between two blood relatives. Listen to this account. In 2016, a mother and daughter were arrested and charged with one count of incest for marrying each other. The mother indicated that since she had lost custody of her biological children to their father's mother and had no contact with them, she felt no law had been violated. Court records show that show th- shows this isn't the first time she has married one of her own children. She also married one of her sons in 2008. However, c- court records show that marriage was annulled in 2010. You see, it spirals down, down, down to even this. One may even be able to marry their pet, which is already permitted in some countries. See, when you change the definition, where does it stop? It goes down, 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 down. And that's what Satan wants to do. Bring the whole, the whole fiber of, a, of America, the whole family unit down. As Christians, we must take a righteous stand. Say righteous stand. Our goal is to stand up for the defense of traditional marriage and family. We should not be fearful now. Don't be afraid of people because of your stand. And at the same time, since we're dealing with uh, homosexuals, uh, gay bashing is inappropriate. It is wrong. It is sinful. Having a personal hatred against any individual because of their sinful choices is wrong. They have to answer to God. You you can't get folks saved uh, being derogatory toward them. Besides, you don't know what your children and grandchildren are going to become. If they're not already that and you don't know it, God forbid. You don't know what's, so don't be careful because you don't know what's heading to your house. There are many who have family members who have chosen a homosexual lifestyle. 
We must display an unconditional love of Christ and seek to win them to Christ. And you will not win those who are sinful to Christ by bashing them, beating them, calling them names, avoiding them, treating them like they are not even a human. That is pride, my friends. My friend, let's go on. Same-sex marriage is not a true marriage because it violates natural law and more importantly, God's law. It offends God. We must consider the candidate's position on this critical issue in the upcoming election. You say, well, how, do, how do you know? Because of Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, it says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Romans 1, 26 and 27 says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Isaiah 520 also says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. God created marriage to be between one man and one woman and having children exclusively within that relationship only. Just because the Supreme Court has sanctioned same-sex marriage does not mean we as Christians have to em- embrace or accept it. They are, they are not the ultimate law. God is the ultimate law. All this is being done in the name of tolerance and equality while the law of God is being discarded. In America, the Ten Commandments have been removed from many public facilities. Beloved, the Bible is the eternal truth that does not change in the midst of a changing culture. I'll say it again. The Bible, say Bible is the eternal truth that does not change in the midst of a changing culture. My friend, Psalms 119, 142 says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. Your law is truth. Psalms 119, 160 says, the entirety, all of this book, all of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. I love what the gospel of Mark chapter 13 verse 31 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. My friends, we must stand against the sin. Here's another one. We must stand against the sin of gender uh, identity and bathroom laws. That's a sin. Texas and 12 other states have joined in the battle with North Carolina against the freedom, against the federal government's encroachment on transgender bathroom laws. The Texas attorney general is joining with the attorneys general and governors from 11 other states to file a brief in federal court to block a U.S. Justice Department's challenge to North Carolina's House Bill 2. This bill states that transgender people must use the bathroom coinciding with their sex on their birth certificate, not as they outwardly portray themselves. And as a result, look what's happening to that state. Economic pressure has been applied to the state of North Carolina by canceling major sporting events. 
because they won't abide by the bathroom laws, the NBA All-Star pull the game. Now, why are they in that? They ought to play basketball and go on to the next city. Uh, the, the Atlantic Coast Conference has canceled 16 college football bowl games because of the bathroom law. And popular singers have canceled their concert because of the bathroom law, resulting in millions of dollars in lost revenues, all in an effort to force the state to rescind the law. You see where this is going? In, in another case of transgender identity pr- privacy policies prevent schools from informing parents of the gender identity of students who will be rooming together overnight on field trips. Therefore, a male student who identifies as a female can room with a female student without the female student's parents being informed. There are also cases in America and other parts of the world where parents are refusing to identify their child's own gender, saying that they will allow the child to decide their own gender at a later time, even though it's obvious at birth what their sex is. They may change their sex, but God still sees them as he originally created them to be. Unless those who do such wicked things repent, they will die in their sins and receive eternal judgment from God. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and kind of walked around bleary-eyed, unable to see or think clearly until you drink your first cup of coffee? Join us today as Pastor Rander challenges us with some spiritual caffeine as he continues the message. It's time for the church to wake up, stand up, and fight for the cause of Christ. Another issue we must deal with is we must protect the sanctity of life. We live in a culture of death that promotes euthanasia and physician assisted suicide. The recent healthcare decision states that contraceptive methods, which includes abortion, must be provided. We should vote to end abortion and taxpayer funding of it. Taxpayers should not have to fund the abortion law, the killing of babies. Now we have the wicked and damnable death by gender which is a sex-selective abortion, sex-selective abortion. A baby should not die just because of his gender. You say, where is that in the scripture? I'll show you. Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife, for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. See that? But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. Nothing new under the sun. That's called sex selective abortion. But I love, but I love verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them but save the male children alive. Wow. What we need today are more Christians like the midwives who had a reverential fear of God and and were willing to do whatever it took to save babies. Life begins at conception. 
Life begins at conception. There has to be life in the womb before there can be life outside the womb. Since Roe versus Wade was enacted in 1973, it is estimated that nearly 60 million babies have been murdered through abortion and who knows how many more have gone undocumented. Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16 says, for you, that's all of us, you For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. God did. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance. It saw the the sperm fertilized the egg being yet unformed and in your book they are they all are written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them beloved the greatest injustice is not to allow a baby to be born to not allow a baby to be educated to not allow a baby to be rich poor black white Hispanic, Asian, Jew, uh, even born with a physical disability. The Bible says in Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. And abortion is murder. After Cain killed his brother Abel, God said in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And you talking about all those babies being killed their blood are crying out to God and God hears the voices of the victim of those murdered babies church the blood of multitudes of innocent babies are crying out to God from the ground if my mother had aborted me she would have murdered a gospel preacher and I would not be preaching to you today What if your mama uh, murdered you? You wouldn't be sitting here saying amen today. If you can, (laughs) abortion always takes, let me tell you something about abortion. Abortion always takes the life of an innocent human being made in the image of God. Let me tell you something about abortion. The, the, The abortion procedure itself can have enormous mental and physical consequences for the mother. Let me tell you another stat on abortion. abortion. I have many more, but time won't permit. Teenagers who aborted are 10 times more likely to attempt suicide than teens who have not had an abortion. To those of you in the congregation and radio listening audience, allow me to share a word of comfort and hope for those of you who have had abortions in the past. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. Okay? Abortion is not the appointable sin. Therefore, you must cry out to God, confess and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over the sin of abortion. You need to repent and turn to Jesus, and he will forgive and remember your sins no more. You say, how do you know that? Because of Hebrews 10, 17, which says, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Uh, Next, we must actively stand against rampant sin in the church. 
That's why America is in the condition she's in is because of the state of the church. Not only is America plunging downward to new depths of moral decadence, but the church herself stands in desperate need to return to biblical truth, righteousness, justice, and holiness. Churches are no longer influencing our culture as Christ intended, but rather the culture is influencing the church. Because of sin and moral scandals in the church, there is little difference between the morals of many churches in America and the morals of the unchurched and the unbelievers. The church has become the safest place to sin without consequences. I say it again. The church has become the safest place to sin without consequences. Do you not know 1 Peter 4, 17 says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? My friends, our only hope is an infusion of the gospel in our churches, which will bring about a spiritual awakening in our nation. However, in order to call this nation to repentance and spiritual awakening, the church must be awakened from sleep. The church must be awakened from lethargy, apathy, complacency, and be an army of light in a dark and decadent world. America is in the shape she's in because the church has compromised the gospel. Very little gospel is being preached. Where are the messages like this? The mouths of preachers have been hushed. The, the, the word has been forsaken and the church has gone to sleep. Beloved, if the church does not wake up, if the church does not rise up, if the church does not fight for the cause of Christ in this country, there is no hope for America. Our passivity, our attitude, behavior in the church, and how we conduct ourselves as ambassadors in this world will determine whether God will bless us or curse us as individuals and as a nation. Romans 13, 11, which is our text, says, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I'm almost done. We must not allow the great commission to become the great omission. That's a sin. If you allow the great commission to become the great omission, that's a sin and God will judge us. If Christians were as passionate, listen to this closely. If Christians were as passionate about soul winning, uh, winning folk to Christ as they were about their politics, we could turn this world upside down for Jesus. I said again, if Christians were as passionate about winning souls to Christ as they were about their politics, we would turn the country upside down for Jesus. Noah Webster, textbook pioneer and political writer, wrote in 1823, and the words still ring true today in 2016, in selecting men for office, let principle be your guide. Regard not the particular sect our denomination of the candidate, look to his character. Scripture teach that rulers should be men who rule in the fear of God, able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. When a citizen gives his vote to a man of known immorality, he abuses his civic responsibility, he sacrifices not only his interests, but that of his neighbor. He betrays the interests 
of his country, unquote, by Noah Webster's way back then. Number eight, we must refuse to allow Satan to to use false pastors. Listen, we must refuse to allow Satan to use false pastors, preachers, and teachers to seduce the church, which has rendered her ineffective and impotent. God will judge churches who fail to protect the church from false doctrine and counterfeit pastors. The nation of Israel suffered divine judgment and was taken into captivity because the prophets in their day preached false and deceptive messages which were from Satan and not from God. And the poor pits all around the country, so many have false preachers and false pastors and false shepherds. Many are preaching, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Prosperity and self-help messages, motivational speeches without Christ, feel-good messages to tickle your fancy, soft and watered-down messages with absolutely no substance or conviction. Isaiah chapter 62 verses 6 and 7 says, I have posted watchmen on your wall. Jerusalem, they will never be silent day or night. You who call on the name of the Lord, give yourself no rest and give him no rest till he established Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Lamentation 2.14 also says, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive vision. They have not uncovered your iniquity to bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. Pastors and the church of the living God must not compromise the truth but rather stand up and boldly proclaim the truth of God's word to a rebellious and wicked generation. Listen at this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 8 says, for if the trumpet, listen, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? If the church is to wake up, if the church is to stand up, If the church is to fight for the cause of Christ, then pastors must not fail to biblically educate the church on controversial issues even during the election season. We must not fear the negative backlash from congregants. We must not fear influential people in the church. We must not fear loss of tithes and offerings because of what's being preached in the name of Jesus in the pulpit. We must refuse to be intimidated, being reprimanded by the powers that be in the church because they have a viewpoint which is more aligned with the secular worldview than a biblical worldview. No longer are pastors to be held captive by fear. We must preach the truth boldly without compromise. There will never be a spiritual awakening in the church until pastors are unmuzzled in the pulpit. Thank you for tuning into this program from Maranatha Bible Church Broadcast Ministry. This broadcast is supported in part by your generous financial contributions, and we invite you to partner with us in spreading this important word throughout our local community and the world. If the Lord spoke to you in this message, let us know. Call us at 210-821-5683. Even better, come and visit us at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Visit our website at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio and video messages. 
You can also find service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much, much more. Tune in next week as Pastor Draper continues to teach us from the Word of God. Thank you for joining us today, and may the Lord's blessings be upon you.